Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Hi, welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominitz, the sports editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. And we've got a special summer edition of Georgia Southern Extra with our special guest, Bill Bender of Sporting News. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Nathan. How are you? Um, I'm okay now. I'm okay now that we're here together. Um, you've been doing interviews, I assume, a bunch since uh, the the top thir- 130 football coaches rankings came out uh, right at the end of June, around June 29th, right? Yeah. And, you know, obviously when you take on something like that it it's i always say i've been doing it for five or six years with sporting news it Mm -hmm. generates the most vitriol the most discussion (laughs) the most you can call it debate but it is what it is of any list we really do and i think it's because people love to argue about coaches rather it's Mm -hmm. we well you can't really argue with number one i'll say that i mean if you have a case against nick saban (laughs) you're gonna lose but uh everything from three to seven all the way down to 130 generally elicits some sort of reaction from the power five to the group of five. Yeah. I want to talk about the Georgia coaches, but I also want to talk about your methodology, your criteria. You were one of how many people that put this together this year? Well, what I do is I have six people at sporting news who are kind of keyed in on college football. We all submit a top 25, kind of like the AP pool. And then that Mm -hmm. gets you your top 30 ish and everybody (laughs) has different things, right? Like, some of our voters like Pat Fitzgerald more than others, we stacked up. That's why that three through seven, which generated the most debate, stacked up the way it did. And then um, I kind of take the wheel from there and, and go 31 to 130 or whatever it is. We look at overall record, record at school. I like looking at three-year record because it gives you a little bit of a hint of who's doing what. You've got to factor in program expectations. You've got to factor in national championships, awards, you know, the group of five versus the power five part is really hard because if you made two separate lists, I think it'd be a little bit easier, but it's, it's really hard to do. And then, you know, most of the time, I don't know what to do with first year coaches. I probably shouldn't say that on the air, but I mean, a lot of the time you really don't know how it's going to go. So you take your best guess. You've got a, a, at least three uh, new coaches in the Sun Belt, which we'll get to. But I want to ask you if uh, your lightning rod coach uh, of, of the entire list, is, is it Jim Harbaugh? Is that the guy that gets the most reaction? No, surprisingly. Uh, not this year anyway. I think the most pushback we got was Kirby Smart at seven. Uh-huh. Which if, when you look at it, he's behind Lincoln Riley, Ryan Day, right. uh, Jimbo Fisher, who has a national championship, and then um, – Who's the other one? Now, oh, Brian Kelly, who yeah, people from just Notre Dame. do not like having him there, especially knowing that Kirby beat him twice. But, right. you know, one of the things I tell people with that is, you know, it, it's, again, subjective. Kirby, yeah, he's got them close to a national championship. But I really believed, and I told people this all week, and it's not a cop-out answer, that you, you could put any one of those coaches in that three spot, and I really don't have a problem with it. What what do you see for Georgia and Kirby Smart? I mean, obviously the the roadblock, the big roadblock has been Alabama every year, but they lost to Florida last year as well. And they're still the favorite to win the division, I'm sure, the East Division. But where do you see them if you could look ahead to the for the whole season? Where do you see them ending up? 
Well, I mean, every year going to be in the hunt for a national championship. Every year, mm-hmm. you said it, face that Alabama roadblock when you're 0-3 against Saban. It yeah. skews the ranking a little bit. And then I think the other issue, it's not an issue. It's just, to me, it's going to be a fun thing is they have Dan Mullen in the division. Dan yeah. Mullen's ranked eighth. So that's yeah. really the only every year matchup between two top 10 coaches uh, other than Lincoln Riley and Matt Campbell. But uh, that game, the Florida-Georgia rivalry, takes on a new meaning to me. I think it's going to decide the SEC East every year yes. for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. They like to chat back and forth a little bit, take <laughs> some snipes. That always adds heat. We love that. I don't, it's something about you guys down there in Georgia and Florida with those <laughs> rivalries. They like to they like to go back and forth a little bit, and that's well, a good thing. It, it and, is um, that neighboring states, and that game is played in Jacksonville, so it, it all kind of adds to it. Absolutely. And, and I think with Kirby, the thing to watch is if you look at his first his first five years there, it looks a lot like Mark Richt for four yeah. years. And Almost exactly. Yeah. Every year they don't win it. That's going to be a thing. Do I think they'll eventually break through and win one? Probably. Mm-hmm. But every year they don't. That 1980 and Mark Richt and all those things. It's to me, it's you can't judge based on 40 years ago versus now, but that is something that will definitely hang over the program until they win one. Well, they have those top five recruiting classes, as you noted in your, in your ranking, that just builds everybody's expectations. And eventually if you have the best players and you don't win the, the sec, what's the problem, right? Right. Maybe the, and, there's somebody yeah. else that has even better players. Yeah. Has a better and, coach. And Florida's going to be in that mix. Alabama's not going anywhere until Saban retires. And it's the same thing. You mentioned Harbaugh that, Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin and Paul Christ facing the Big Ten. You know, I point out this mm-hmm. stat all the time to people. And if you look back to when Urban Meyer took over at Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin are one and twenty-three against the Buckeyes. So it's not just Michigan's problem. It's not. It's Wisconsin's problem. It's Penn State's problem. It's Tom Allen and Pat Fitzgerald's problem that the Buckeyes have been able to distance themselves from the rest of the Big Ten. And the same in the ACC with Davo. And the same in the Big 12 with Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, Tom Allen. In- Indiana is a lot better than than we think of down here in the Southeast. We don't really think about Indiana football, but they're getting better, right? They are. And Tom Allen yeah. has done a fantastic job with that program. Definitely has broken through. Um, big year last year, big expectations. But the thing that I always tell people, okay, so they lose the bowl game to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And if they have a 5-7 and seven season, people aren't going to be – you know, up in arms that Indiana's having a bad year. And I think that's the tough part in this list as well. You've got to recognize what Tom Allen's done, what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State, what David Shaw's done at Stanford, even though the last, but that's, that's my point is the last couple of years, Stanford slipped out a little bit and you still keep David Shaw in the top 25. I know how good a coach he is, but once you fall in that 500 range, people get a little antsy with that. Yeah. The, uh, tell people where they can find the rankings, uh, sportingnews.com, I assume, uh, the, be the best place to look, or they can yeah, follow you on Twitter. Yeah, at BillBender92 at sportingnews.com. We did the full 130, then we broke out the Power Five conferences. I got accused a little bit of mm-hmm. not knowing my group of five, which I took as an insult because, you know, I'm a <laughs> Mac graduate. You know, I, oh, yeah. I follow the Mac very closely. Did, I you went to Ohio? Went to Ohio yeah. University. Um, wasn't there when... Frank Solich was there, but I mean, he's been there a long time. And, uh, you know, we've always, always obviously followed American Athletic Conference. Luke Fickle was ranked very high. 
Bill Clark in Conference USA, very high. And then down your way, I mean, the Sun Belt Mm -hmm. is making a run with some of these big coaches. I mean, Jamie Chadwell gets a lot of publicity. He was our coach of the year last year. Um, I'm I'm almost kind of surprised he's still there. The way that there was so much heat behind him and Billy Napier at Louisiana, they were like up for every job, it seems like. Billy Napier, obviously, yeah. These guys are, they may be in the SEC in the future. Who knows? Um, Mm -hmm. Sean Clark at App State and and knowing that App State last two coaches, look at Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. He climbed in the top 40. Scott Satterfield, he obviously, some people didn't like where we had them ranked, but I think Mm -hmm. Louisville had a, kind of year that's easy to some coaches had that. And this was another part of this list that was tough is some programs had a bad year and COVID played a role in that. And um, they were one of those schools. So it was a little bit tougher to really hammer and penalize coaches maybe in years than in years past. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because of uh, games being canceled last minute or rescheduled. Uh, I think um, um, uh, who was it to try to play Miami three times. Uh, was Louisville try to play? I'm I'm try, I'm getting them mixed up, but a lot of games. Uh, well, Coastal Carolina was was supposed to play. Um, they, they ended up playing BYU when they had a game canceled uh, against Liberty, and they ended up playing Liberty in the bowl game and and losing. But uh, they obviously Coastal Carolina exceeded expectations, got very hot, had a great season, and uh, you mentioned App App State that the head whoever the head coach at App State is seems to go on after at, to the next. Uh, to a, a, a power five conference. Uh, so like I said, a pretty good guess. Let's talk about Georgia Southern while I got you. Um, you've got uh, Chad Lunsford up from 97 to 84. The team won eight and five last year, four and four in the Sun Belt. They kind of beat the teams they were supposed to beat and lost to the teams they were supposed to lose to last year. Close games, a lot of close games. Uh, didn't look good against App State, um, but uh what did you think of the job that uh, Chad Lunsford has been doing since he came on as the interim coach in a bad season, the two and 10 season to uh, 10 and 12, 10 and two the next year. And then uh, um, seven and six and then eight and five. Where, where do you see the program right now? Well, I mean, obviously when you win two bull games in three years, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're up against who were the losses to, right? Louisiana, right. Coastal, App, uh, Army, another team that, Munkin has done a good job there. So it's not like, and I think for him to make that rise, it's become more difficult. You know, some people thought I should have had Sean Elliott up higher and that's probably fair. Um, So looking at those two coaches, I think it's a steady climb up. Another thing this list tends to reward, at least I saw this in the top 25, it does reward longevity. Guys like Gary Patterson and Mike Gundy. Kirk Ferentz, they've been around. I think we just are conditioned to put them in the top 25 and, and also recognizing, yeah, Lunsford's done a fantastic job. Um, so like the sticker shock of having a rank in the eighties, you're like, why is he so low? But right. you're up against 65 power five coaches. You're up against 10 to 15 group of five coaches that are well-known. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you compare Chad Lunsford to Hugh Freeze? It's not yeah. easy to do. Oh, and then Liberty beat uh, Georgia Southern just a couple you know, both right. seasons ago. And then, well, this is one where I, I think people could kind of get you on, if you will, is that you've got um, um, Chad Lunsford at 84 and you've got Skip Holtz at 82 from Louisiana Tech. And they just went head to head in their last game. Now, Skip Holtz had an amazing bowl record until they lost the New Orleans Bowl to Georgia Southern. If I recall correctly, they had won like six or seven straight bowl games. 
which is, doesn't happen very often. So what was your thinking if you were putting them head to head that you had Skip Holtz two spots ahead of Chad Lunsford? Well, and again, I think some of that's the longevity of it, you know, for mm-hmm. Skip, who's been around the block a little bit. He's been successful at East Carolina. He's had the bull success at Louisiana Tech. He's, you know, he's been in a conference championship game recently. Again, last year, yeah, they, they lost that bull game. And that those are tough, too, because you run a, with that up and down. And mm-hmm. if you want to say flip those guys, I wouldn't put up <laughs> the biggest fight. But again, this deals with you start that starts in the top 10 when people are asking right. you, well, how's Kirby yeah, behind yeah. Brian Kelly? Yeah. We beat twice. And it's not always head to head comes in to me as a very late thing. If you and I were sitting mm-hmm. there and one of my favorite ones is when you get a guy like that back to back, you have the bar store argument. Does it come down to head to head sometimes? But I I think at that point, you know, you could flip a coin. And if you want to say, yeah, bump Lunsford up a few spots, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. put up a fight. We do the best we can with it. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a hard chore other than number one. I think you're probably like, at least I don't have to worry about number one every year. But you got from two on, uh, obviously, Clemson has a lot of interest where we are as well. And Clemson's playing Georgia to open the season. That's a whole nother podcast. Probably we could talk about that for months and they people are going to talk about that game for months you know what happens to the winner of that game what happens to the loser you could lose that game to open the season and still work your way back in to the college football playoff i would think so well, yeah and it's big for both i mean for yeah. kirby we, we kind of outlined what people were looking at there if they lose that game people are going to start wondering you know yeah. when are they going to break through and then if clemson loses on the other end um their last two playoff games Right. or blowout losses to LSU and Ohio State. And with the quarterback they got coming back, the talent on the defensive yeah. line, I mean, everybody's looking forward to that game and has it circled. And there, like you said, the loser could still get in. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the, uh, you know, for those of us who play a little bit of poker here and there, that's definitely <laughs> the first big hand. And, and you want to yeah. be the table boss after that one. Well, I give them both credit for taking that game uh, and playing sure. that game when you don't have to. I'll break into the interview right here to talk about the things we do here at the Santa Maria News uh, and SavannahNow.com, Beyond Podcasts. Put simply, we deliver the best in local news coverage and sports coverage. We go in-depth on topics important to you, whether in the Savannah City Manager Search or the best new restaurants around town. If you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. Get full access to our digital content for $1 a month for the next six months. That's $1 for six months. All those stories marked subscriber only on our website. This gets you behind the paywall. So dig under those couch cushions or check the pockets of those pants you put in the laundry for some coins or small bills and sign up today. Go to savannahnow.com, subscriber now, and sign up. Now back to the interview with Bill Bender of Sporting News and College Football Talk, which we all enjoy. Thank you. Let me go back. Just by definition, when you're ranking the top 130 coaches, are you saying these are the best coaches? Are you saying these are the the coaches that are having the best coaching um, right now? You know, like that kind of brings the longevity. So, I mean, that's where Nick Saban could go 0 and 10 next year, and you'd still maybe put him at number one. Not that that's going to happen. Yeah, I do our NFL coach rankings as well, and that's even harder because there's a definitive 16 game measurement there's you know super bowl rings come into play with this one i think it's more um 
we look at the, I, I look at a little bit of everything and that's why I involve the rest of the staff because I know when I do my 25, you know, Mike DeCourcy, our college basketball writer, his will look different. Denny Iyer chips in, his will look different. Um, we've got some other people in the office that help and that are huge college football fans and everybody does it a little bit differently. And that's where the arguments start for me because I told them, you know, once I totaled up, I said, listen, I'll, I'll make like almost a checklist. I'm going to hear about this. I'm going to hear about this <laughs> and it's my name on it. So, right, and I can right. wear it. I, I, you know, I, I can put up with the tweets and the nasty messages. I, I kind of laugh at it uh, anymore because it's a very hard thing to do. Um, but at the end of the day, when you see that one or two tweets, that's like, yeah. Hey, this is pretty good. I don't have many major issues oh. with this. And then I'm like, uh, Hey, uh, then, then we did it right. I think your, your Sunbelt coaches line up very well. Um, uh, and you, you have a couple former Georgia Southern coaches that we could quickly comment on. Willie Fritz at Tulane, who was here two years, w- did amazing here and, and moved on. You know, Sam Houston State, Georgia Southern, Tulane. I guess that's kind of a nice way to go. Uh, and then Jeff Munkin, who you mentioned, who'd been around the block uh, around Paul Johnson and Georgia Southern and knows his way around and uh, wins at Army. Um, what do you think of the job those two guys have done? And and I, I know they miss him here in Georgia Southern. Not that they don't aren't glad to have Chad Lunsford, but they see the success the guy, those guys have had. Well, believe it or not, you're the third Willie Fritz question I've got this week. So uh, is that right? Yeah, he <laughs> or two from uh, Willie Fritz. <laughs> yeah. So I was there a couple of years ago when they played Ohio State, and they were obviously outmatched. They obviously yeah. weren't going to win the game, but I was impressed with how they were coached, with how they kind of kept the game in front against a vastly more talented team. Yeah, so, yeah. you know what Willie's doing there? He's, he's taking baby steps at Tulane, but that's a tough place to win. And then, it is, yeah. you know, Munkin, again, I was there when they pushed Michigan into oh, overtime. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I had that written much differently at the time. And they, again, did everything but win the football game. And what he's done is Ar- at Army and, and in general, ranking Ken Niamatololo, Troy Calhoun, and Jeff Munkin, they're all, or Todd, Jeff, right? Todd's the coordinator. One of them's yes. the coordinator. Yeah, Jeff I got is get... the head coach in Army. Todd for, is at Georgia. You forgive got me for getting that mixed up because that happened. They're all related. <laughs> all right. So I'll just say Munkin. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we we typically group those three academy coaches pretty close because what they care about most at those three schools, believe it or not, is the first oh, yeah. priority is that commander in chief trophy. Beat Army, beat Navy. That's right. right. Uh, and that's where. Uh, I, I thought Kirby Smart was past this, but now he's got to beat Florida to keep some people happy. But like I said, that I don't want to circle back too much. So uh, Georgia Southern has a difficult schedule. They get BYU at home. Now, BYU doesn't have the same quarterback that's going to be playing for the Jets. So it's a different BYU team. It's a different Georgia Southern team. Uh, do you have any, have you had a chance to look at a Georgia Southern? I don't want to put you on the spot. Have you kind of see what they might be facing? You know, like every team, they have they have some holes to fill. They have some guys back that that extra year for with COVID, the extra COVID year has helped, but they've also lost some players to, to the transfer portal as well. Well, it's going to come down to where they're at in November. Obviously, mm-hmm. early September, you get the test of going to FAU, um, you know, mm-hmm. a program that's still in pretty decent shape. From yeah, they're scary. Them. Yeah, and at Arkansas is a fun game. You know, Arkansas, there was another one I got a lot of pushback on with Sam Pittman, a guy yeah. that – uh People Definitely. like him here. Yeah. What's that? People would like him here. He was he was at Georgia. Um, yeah, and he's you know obviously a good coach, but that's obviously a tough job. So yeah, as you look at their schedule, obviously it's going to be about getting into November. And 
I think from a national angle, we're we're most interested in Coastal right now because yeah. of Grayson McCall, who's kind of that off the radar yeah. uh, Heisman candidate. You know, they they attracted a lot of attention as a very entertaining team last year. Yeah, but do. you look for with those Sun Belt schools, all it takes is one slip up mm-hmm. to, to get knocked off the national stage. And, and Louisiana has faced that, and App State has faced that, and that's why. Yeah. You know, these are good group of five programs, but I think our group of five outlook, and I'm not ducking your question, I think it really revolves around Cincinnati right now and Luke Fick. Oh, um, we think they can get it on the doorstep of the playoff conversation, and it doesn't hurt that they have Indiana and Notre Dame on the schedule. Nice. Yeah. The um yeah, I see that the 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 Sunbelt teams kind of eat each other. You need one dominant hot team to make a big push up the pole, up the rankings. And Louisiana and uh, Coastal Carolina had a you know real fight to the end. I think that was an overtime game. Um, a lot, of, you know, or it was settled on the kick at the end. Uh, there's a lot of teams. App State's been the team people think of first, but they were the third team last year in terms of best to worst. They were behind uh, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana. So, um, you know, I, the the conference actually at their spring practice wrap up uh, media uh, conference call. Uh, Commissioner Keith Gill said, we really want to push, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but we really want to push that the Sun Belt is really good and we want to be higher in the rankings when the season starts. We don't want to have to fight our way up. We want to be regarded more strongly. And what do we do about that? How do we let people know that we've got a really good football conference here? And um, they want they want to be, I guess, I don't know how the the Power Five or the group of five conferences are slotted, but you mentioned Cincinnati. It all starts there, and Cincinnati is not in the Sun Belt. But where, where does the what does the Sun Belt have to do uh, other than beat up on the Big Twelve in September? What do they have to do to get noticed early on? Yeah, and and that's that's the big thing. And I think as we near the playoff expansion talk, you know, there was this loose talk that the group of five and Power Five may split. That's not going to happen mm-hmm. if they go to twelve because. You know, you look at last year and Coastal and Cincinnati would have been playoff teams. Yeah. It's going to open a big door for the group of five in general because now there's a real carrot to go after to get into that. Even if you're seated 12, to get into that 5-12 game mm-hmm. to uh, incentivize what you want to put into your program. Like you can see what it's done for. I go back to the BCS era always in that discussion. And, you know, TCU and Utah were right. group of five schools once upon a time. And now TCU got in the big 12 utah has you know been in the pac 12 both of these schools have been in the playoff conversation which 25 years ago you would have said that's ludicrous right right so yeah you figure notre dame is going to be in the conversation if they have any kind of good year right for if there's 12 teams people say what about notre dame and then you got all the power power five so there's room for one cincinnati and maybe another or are you thinking there's it's, it's so early it's only july 2nd but is there room for more than one power uh, group of five team to be discussed or to get in? I should say. Well, it, it won't happen in a fourteen playoff. Though no. it, we'll see if they ever get one in. But I think down the road, yes. And then yeah. Notre Dame's rule in it, obviously, very cool. Um, you know, if you look back at the what we've seen in a twelve team format, had it been that way in fourteen, Houston would be a playoff team. UCF would have been a playoff team. Uh, Western Michigan out of the MAC, which I pay attention to probably the closest to the five, um, they'd be a playoff team. And I think that's, like I said, the carrot. Even if you get to the playoff and you don't win, 
All it mm-hmm. takes is that one magical upset. And to me, it would rival the second a group of five team beats somebody in the playoff, it's going to rival those first round March Madness upsets. I was going to we say, we love, about. everybody loves March Madness mm-hmm. because of the one versus 16, which doesn't happen very often, but uh, two versus 15 upset or three versus 14. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun to talk about in July. Um, uh, I, 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 we've used up all our time. I'm afraid I, maybe another time we'll talk about the NIL. It's something that you're writing about is I, I I'll just throw, if you have an opinion about NIL, do you see it going badly, chaotically, uh, a lot of corruption, or do you see that somehow cooler heads are going to be doing the right thing and they're going to be able to keep a, a rein on this thing? I, I think it, we'll see. I think what it looks like this week versus two years from now are going to be two very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, it comes down to education and making sure that students don't get locked into bad deals. I think them profiting off their likeness is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's less about looking in the past and I'm writing about it now about Reggie Bush and Chris Weber. There's nothing right. we can do about that now. Uh, but what we can do in the future is make sure that the, the, the athletes that when it's most profitable and there are so many that are most profitable in college, can actually get something for it. I, I can't be against that. And I don't know that anybody really can yeah. without so, a closed-minded viewpoint. So common sense, if you're a star on the football team signing autographs at an autograph show or at a, at a car dealership or at a food court opening, mm-hmm. what's wrong with that? Not um, a thing. And yeah. I think anything, you know, the, the idea of a local college football celebrity in towns all over this country is certainly appealing to me. And I don't think at the end of the day, there's going to be this, you know, Hertz is going to sign a quarterback because there's so many risks with that. I think when oh, yeah. a major corporation does it, they, they save that for the NFL stars and, and typically quarterbacks at that. So well, yeah. I think the we got a long way to go before it gets out of control. Yeah, the quarterback's smart. I'm not a historian of this, but the quarterbacks in the NFL smartly broke away from the Players Association in a sense and, and worked their own deals, right? The, the quarterbacks actually, instead of playing against each other years ago when it was like Jim Kelly and Boomer Sison and people like that, they actually, I, it seemed like they were showing up in, in commercials together, not necessarily only one getting the bigger piece of the pie. Now, obviously, Tom Brady is going to get more than the Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody. So, um, exactly. Well, bit, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, it is, it is a ripe for corrupt, corruption, not that there hasn't been corruption in recruiting before, but um, hopefully people use the opportunity to do good, more good things. And and we don't have to write about the bad stuff too much. Um, But Bill, uh, you have a, a a great list here. Uh, A lot of coaches that you had to go through a lot of research, uh, a lot of comparisons Uh, as, uh, as somebody that has to pick uh, local all-star teams all the time. I, I know. And we have angry parents. I can imagine just exponentially when you open up the pool to angry, Michigan, Ohio State, Tulsa—I don't know. People, you 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 open yourself up to a lot of uh, discussion, and, and you you have a great uh, thick skin to to uh, to take on all these things. And uh, hopefully, they pay you well for all the grief that you get. <laughs> no, we have fun with it. And um, yeah, I, once upon a time, I was doing the same thing as you, just with the uh, um, all-star teams as a local sports editor in, in Newark, Ohio. So I've been down that road too. It's about the same, honestly. I'll, I'll tell you this, it's about the same, but uh, maybe a few more tweets. Yeah. I, people I the, don't know is the difference, I think. I mean, yeah. you probably know some of the people that are giving you grief. Yeah, no, I, 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 
I've been pretty lucky about all that. Just uh, since we're talking about, it. I've been pretty pretty lucky about not getting too many uh, uh, too much pushback on my teams over the years, and it's been a lot of years. So I'm I'm pretty glad that when it works out, I guess silence is a good thing. Uh, but thanks, Bill. Thanks for your time. Have a great Friday. We're recording this on Friday, July 2nd, I should say. So thanks very much. Have a great rest of your day. And I hope I didn't ruin your deadline. That's always no, most important good. Thanks for us. so much. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way!